You know, uh, when you read a book like the book of Job, you can get really... Um, that's the word I want to use. Um, you can get really kind of like uh, unemotional, I guess. Or not unemotional, but it's like, you know, you're reading a story. This is not something maybe that, you know, I'm not involved. I don't, I'm not going through. I haven't lost everything. Uh, I'm not, you know, got boils all over my body and, you know, and all this other kind of stuff. Truth is, it's a nice story, you know, or maybe not nice, but it's an interesting story and so forth. But, you know... I got other things going on in my life that are not really applicable. And the truth of the matter is, is that I haven't actually struggled like this. I haven't had this ever happen to me. I've never really, you know, I've never really suffered in a, in a way like they're talking about here. I mean, maybe I've suffered a little bit. I've maybe lost, I've, I mean, I've lost a job or, I, you know, I've had a situation with a kid or, or whatever, but nothing to the extreme that we're talking about here. I mean, we're talking about losing your kids, all of them, all 10 of them. You got 10 kids, you lose all 10 of them. You lose all your servants, lose all your houses, lose all your property, lose all the ability to make money. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty dramatic, right? Yeah. And so the fact of the matter is, is that very rarely do we really get to this kind of a situation. But... I have two very dear friends right now that are going through simultaneously the exact same thing, which is pretty, pretty unbelievable. Uh, they both, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they both have what's called a, a glioblastoma. Um, if you know anything about this hideous cancer, it is... Um, a brain tumor that grows very quickly. Uh, it invades and it destroys kind of the healthy tissue in your brain. Uh, it actually feeds off a healthy tissue, which is, which is pretty awful when you th just kind of think about that. It can invade any part of your brain. It can affect all sorts of different parts of your brain. It can do all sorts of different crazy things to your brain. And the problem is, is that your brain is the seat of everything that you are. It is the seat of your emotions. It's the seat of, of, of how you react. It, it's how you control your reactions. It's, it's all sorts of, you know, it's everything, really, uh, when, when it comes to your, to your functioning of your, of, your, of your life and your body. Uh, other than your heart, it's probably the only thing that you cannot live without. I mean, you know, you can live without a kidney, you know, you can, you know, you can live without part of your liver and so forth. You can't live without your entire brain. You need the whole thing. You can't just have pieces of it. And so, and the worst part about glioblastoma is that it can attack anybody. It can attack men. It can attack women. It tends to attack men more than women. Unfortunately, in this case, one of these people is a man. One of these people is a woman. Um, you can take chemo, you can take radiation, you can take what's called uh, uh, tumor treating fields, which are TTFs, um, and that basically it's a therapy where they use kind of electrical things on there and they kind of shoot electricity in there. <clears throat> and the idea is it just kind of disrupts the cancer. Uh, they have no idea if it really even works, by the way, which is, which is interesting about TTF. Um, <clears throat> Uh, they have targeted therapy where they take chemo and they shoot it right into the cancer. I mean, it's just all sorts of things. They have, you know, radical surgery where you can try to remove the tumors. But here's the deal. 100% of the people that get glioblastoma die from it. 
unless they happen to have a heart attack first or something like that. Uh, I had a friend of mine who actually um, had that actually happen. Uh, uh, he, uh, um, his name was Larry Burkett. Uh, he was a tremendous man of God uh, and a very, very dear friend of mine. And um, we thought for sure he would die of this cancer. And he didn't. He ended up having a heart attack. Died on July 4th, um, 2003. And so, uh, at any rate, the point is that there is no prognosis for any kind of survival. The long term. I mean, near term, obviously, but, but you know, long term, you know, this is, this is going to take your life. So, with that in mind, uh, yesterday, my two friends who are dealing with this, uh, simultaneously, I heard a report on both of them. Um, and um, it was obviously not good because the reports on this are never good, right? I mean, it's just, just the way it is. And the suffering that they're going through is, is real and, um, and so forth. But uh, I want to read to you an email that I got. Um, I, I thought I had it up and now I can't find it. Oh, that's my, it's because that's my, it's not an email, it's a text. There we go. So uh, this is from John Jancy. His wife, Lois, is the person that, that is dealing with this. That's the female in this. And Jeff Brooks is the fella. Uh, Catalina is his wife. And uh, you can't have a conversation with Jeff or with Lois because, unfortunately, they really are not aware of what's going on. That's, that's a fact. You talk to Jeff especially. Uh, he, he has This has affected so much of his brain that he doesn't even really understand kind of where it's happened. I mean, he did it first, obviously, but, but it's gotten to a point now where he's kind of like almost giddy about stuff, and, and it's, it's kind of almost interesting. Uh, same kind of thing happened with Lois as well, by the way. But this is an update from John that I wanted to read to you, and I wanted to just kind of put this chapter in perspective because the question that he asked in this, in this chapter is, why doesn't God intervene? That's the question that we're going to look at today. This is what John sent to me yesterday. He said, God is amazing in how he works in our lives. The road is not always easy, but with God leading the way and in control, the path becomes clear one step at a time. We signed up Lois for hospice two weeks ago. It was difficult for myself, but my family felt it best uh, we do so. I have turned over the divine plan for her life to God's grace. Last night was difficult, and I came close to giving up. Not my faith but giving up seeking God to heal her. So I prayed for God to give me a Gideon sign to let me know it was okay to continue to pray for her healing. I, I don't want my personal wishes to drive my prayers, but instead seek God's leading. God answered in spades. Yes, continue to believe and pray for her healing. I received three text messages this morning clearly indicating my prayers for her healing were in keeping with God's plan. By the way, none of these people had any clue of my request to God. I know Lois is in God's hand, and he knows the steps ahead. The process is truly transformative. I am continually letting God reveal any way my life is not pleasing to him. He is beginning to transform the way I think. He is giving me strength to love my wife and walk daily by her side. He is giving me the insight to see others' pain and the guidance on how to pray. Our plan is to come back to Stuart when this chapter is complete. God bless everyone. I apologize if my texts have become burdensome. Wow. 
if anybody wants a copy of that, I'll be happy to send it to you. Um, Would you, Don? I'll be happy to, Johnny. I want to meditate on Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful That's stuff. And, and so I bring it up for two reasons. One, I've gotten to know John really not well. I, I mean, the truth be known, because he was just really getting to be part of our situation. His wife got sick. And so I, don't, I can't say that John and I are, are best friends. We're not. I, I don't want that to sound, I don't want you to take that the wrong way. We just haven't had time to really, you know, have that kind of, but we've connected via this illness and, and we've, we've connected via just, just texting back and forth and doing things like that and so on. Uh, and, and his texts are always uh, long uh, because he's just pouring out his heart, it's, you know, and uh and it's um, it's it's just challenging. Uh, previous text said this said three days in a row she has steadily improved outside of being tired and needing frequent naps, or as she calls it, resting her brain. She's on her game. So this is the problem with this disease: is that every so often you get these 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 periods of lucidness, and then of course you lose that, and and so forth. And of course the same thing is happening now with Jeff, and and I. I think about Jeff in particular because because of this disease, Jeff, Jeff is no longer able to work. Uh, his business has uh, has been able to be maintained because he was smart enough to to put it in a in a way that if something ever happened to him, it, it would continue, which was which was unbelievably force of, uh, with a lot of foresight. Uh, most people don't do that, by the way. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that you don't know what people are going through. You just don't know. And we want to pray and we want, we want to see God work. Obviously we always want to see healing, but the truth of the matter is, is that hundred percent of us are going to die. Every one of us are going to die. It's not a question of if it's a question of when and how. And so it's a, it's, it's a reality that as I get older, especially, I, I realize there are a whole lot more days behind me than there are ahead of me on this earth. That's just a reality, okay? And I think we all can appreciate that. Um, you know, all of us in this room, I think, can understand that, that concept that, you know, it's, it's, it's important that we recognize that we've got a reality which is beyond this world. But the question that comes up, that he brings up in this in this section, is why doesn't God intervene? And I could go through all this different stuff about how Elias is an idiot and uh, Eliphaz rather, and and Bill Dad's arrogant, and you know we can do all that, and th- and that's fine. We can have that conversation if you guys want to do it. It's it's fine. But I thought I would take this in a way that just I, I just feel like getting away from the insults and getting away from the challenges and so forth. Jeff and Lois and Catalina and, you know, John and, and other people that are going through different things like this. Um, they're in that classic thing that my dad used to talk about all the time, that when you're up to your neck in alligators, it's hard to remember that the original intent was to clean the swamp. And they're, they're literally fighting off alligators every day. That's, that's their life uh, right now. That's their existence right now. That's really the essence of their, of their conversation 
it's, it's, it's really tragic because if I call Catalina and I just want to talk about the weather, <laughs> it's going to happen for about 20 seconds. And then the next thing we're talking about is Jeff. See, that's the reality of this, of this kind of situation because that's her world right now. She's just dealing with it. She deals with it 24-7. John deals with it 24-7. This is what he's connected to. And unfortunately, it's the only thing that he, he really can, can, can be aware of. And so when we go through this debate here and we see all this stuff, and I'm glad that, that uh, Dr. Stedman took this in chunks because this is the kind of book, it's sort of like I was talking, <laughs> uh, I was talking with Ken yesterday a little bit about Romans. And, and you can't read Romans a chapter at a time. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work. Romans is, 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 a, is a book that is, 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 it's actually, it all flows together. And you can't stop and say, well, the first eight chapters are there, and then the next three chapters are there, and then the next four chapters uh, are, are there. No, no or, excuse me, uh, five chapters are there. It doesn't work that way. No, Romans is, is, is a whole book. It's, it's, it's one big thing. And you can't just, you know, read the fifth chapter and ignore the sixth chapter, or read the sixth chapter and ignore the fifth chapter. It's just... They all kind of flow together. There were no chapter breaks when he wrote that thing. He just he just was writing down what his thoughts were. And so you can't you can't just do that. And the same is true with the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job is a is a play. I love that. Uh, by the way, I'd never before reading this book, I'd never actually considered it that. But now that I've kind of pictured it that way, it makes so much more sense that that this is something that you know is is is, is played out. But people that are going through situations where, you know, they have huge illness or they've lost their business or they've lost their job or they've, they've gone through multiple things all at the same time as Job has gone through, you know, multiple tragedies, not just one. Um, the focus of each one of these folks um, is I need God to get me through this. I want God to get me through this. I want to be able to speak to him about this. I want to talk to him about this. And most importantly, I want him to intervene and do something crazy, crazy cool. Now, John actually experienced that. He did. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to ask John if he'll take a minute maybe and just share his story with everybody because I think it's a remarkable one because he went through those highs. and those, So if you don't mind, John, I, you know, I'm not putting you on the spot. You know, if you don't want to, that's fine. I, I don't have any problem with that. But, but I think sometimes we don't appreciate what it's like to go through something as tragic as loss. And even if you come through it, there's still an element of loss. And it's, so, it's all you see. And you see in, in everything, working in everything. And um, guys, one split second for me. I apologize. Somebody keep going. So while he's doing that, I, I go ahead. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry about that. But oh, that's right. Really, when you go through those types of things, I mean, it's supernatural. God reveals Himself to you in ways, in ways that He doesn't when you're not going through that. When you're completely dependent on God, and you truly surrender it to Him, you'll see Him in everything, in literally everything, in the people around you, in the physical, animate objects around you. I know that sounds strange, but it's real. 
we see him move and influence things in ways that, it, you know, it was interesting. The reason I wanted you to send me that text, yeah. John, yeah. is one of the one of the biggest changes is it changes the it changes your window to the world, your perception and the way you think about the world and the way you think about people. And um, you view them more from the lens of God than you than I at least I did than I ever did before. And uh, I always tell people like if 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 God gave me the option to go through cancer that I went through, and I was able, if he he told if he gave me the option to either go through it and get what I got out of it, or not go through it and not get what I got out of it, I would have gone through it without question. I would have gone through it as painful as hard as sick as I was. I was really sick. When I was going through uh, that particular type of chemo, I would have done it anyway. In a heartbeat. In an absolute heartbeat. I, I have, like, I can share with you guys, if you want some time, I can share, like, the process of, like, I have a lot of this documented and just amazing, miraculous things that took place through that that are they're mind-blowing. And I can actually show you, like, pictures of stuff that it was just... It was, it only could have been God at healing events, at all kinds of things. They were just miraculous. I documented it all. So, the, the thing, anyway, that's yeah. that's a short. That's a very short version of a long story. Well, and and I didn't. Yeah, John, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't tell you to do this. I just actually thought about it just, just two seconds ago. That's why I asked you to do it. So I I took you totally off guard, and I and I do want to. Forgive me for, for, oh, you, for not giving no, you. No, no, it's it's awesome. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is, I mean, this is just an example of the mosaic and God's work. Yesterday, somebody asked me the same question, <clears throat> and I went through it in detail with them. I spent like forty-five minutes, and they were blown away at the things that God did. Hey, John, um, it's Chuck. At what point hey. in, in your journey did you, you know, did you um, sort of take that perspective? <laughs> Um, I mean, was it early on, or was it somewhere in the middle? Oh, that's great. No, it was. It was. It was right at. You know, when you first get those words from your doctor, like I think you had cancer. Um, I didn't expect to hear that at forty years old or forty-one years old. You know, I, mean, I got two kids, and, you know, a wife and a business, and all these other things. I was like, whoa, you know, this is God's plan. <laughs> in God's plan. Wait a second. And, uh, but you know what it did, man, was there was this definitive moment in my life. I think I've told Don about this, but in that I had realized, so I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old. Um, and, but I had never given, I, I guess I had never really given him everything in my life. And I didn't realize I didn't. It wasn't like, you know, I was holding it. I just never realized I did and when I was going through that, um, I literally had this moment at my house in Stewart, which Don had been at. I was on the stairs in Stewart, Don, <laughs> and I got down on my knees and I was like, I give this to you. Mm. I'm completely in your hand and I completely trust you. Do with it what you will. I give you my family. I give you my children, my marriage, my business, all of it. And, it, and that happened like right at diagnoses, basically. And um, man, it was 
It was unbelievable. Unbelievable how much God latched on to me. He's all I saw. And it wasn't me, guys. It was totally God. It was all I saw. And I miss it sometimes because I get we get caught up in the mundane. We take for granted all these things in our lives and all these experiences and opportunities and other things that, that come our way to advance the kingdom. And we just look at it like a normal everyday thing. God's heavily at work all around us all the time. And when we stop to see it or he gives us the ability to see it, it's completely, utterly life-changing. So, John, you experienced a true paradigm shift in your whole life. I did. Yep. And I, I was already a believer, guys. I absolutely love the Lord. But complete paradigm shift. Yeah, complete paradigm shift. And it's, it's 100% for the better. You know, my body was rattled and jolted, <laughs> beat up. I lost 27 pounds in like two months, you know. But um, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely say that it is all for the better. And it gives you know what? What's interesting, man, is it gives like our challenges in life, like Joe here. <clears throat> you know, it doesn't talk a whole lot about after all this stuff happened, right? But it gives you a platform in which to reach out. It gives you a, a soapbox to stand on, to reach out, and co- to communicate it to the brokenhearted, to the needy, to people who are going through challenging things, to people who are facing death, who are dying, they're facing, they're dealing with disease, they're dealing with strife of all kinds. Like, you, you, you have a platform in which to talk to them. You literally understand where they're coming from. You know, and that's a gift. And you, you, if, if you don't have it, you don't if you didn't go through it. So John, did you did you say that you miss it? Like has has that changed over the years? I do not miss cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to go through that again. Um, but when you when you when you strip out everything else in your life, like it would what, what something like that does is it instantly focuses you on what's important in life, right? Your time, your experience, your relationships, your uh, your walk, your impact on the earth, these types of things. And I, I just think, you know, when you get out of it, I was isolated to that for a while. When you get out of it, um, I think you start, it, it's just human nature. Busyness causes you to take a lot of that stuff for granted. You know, and it's human nature, and I'm super susceptible to that too. Just like because I'm a busybody, and I'm a business owner, I'm all over the place all the time, and uh, I feel like I take that for granted a lot, and I need to stop and get in the Word, get focused on prayer, meditate on the Word, meditate on who God is, and that draws me near to Him. Yeah. Wild stuff, guys. Yeah. I saw, I just saw God work. I don't know. You guys have probably seen me. Here's an example. So, Don, are you okay with me running? Yeah, no, you're good. I'm loving it. (laughs) So, you know, for those who don't know, uh, many, many moons ago, I used to be a professional guitar player. I did the whole, like, Nashville thing and uh, toured with major label artists, a guy named Jason Michael Carroll. I was in Nashville. I was his lead guitar player. Um, 
And uh, we had two number one hits a long time ago. It was kind of like a, it wasn't a one-hit wonder, but it was a two-hit wonder. <laughs> it's something called Living Our Love Song. And it's something called uh, uh, Alyssa Lies. Anyway, uh, when I, when once I got off the road and all that, I worked in the industry that I'm working now, moved to Florida, it's worked in this industry. After doing the whole music thing, I got, got tired of that and um, came down here. We landed at TC3, and my wife was always like, you got to play guitar in the church. You got to play guitar in the church, right? So I never really thought I was the right guy for it. I, I don't really, I didn't really listen to much contemporary Christian music, and I'll see, I'm kind of a, a country guitar player. Anyway, long story short, I get cancer, and I'm like, you know what? I've got, God moved me to serve. And I, I, so I met with Andy Curtis at TC3, and I was like, hey, I want to serve, you know, but I'm, I'm going through cancer. I've got cancer right now, so I have to get through that first in order to serve. Um, so I go, I, um, uh, we agree that, you know, once I get through all this stuff, I'll, I'll serve. I end up meeting Clark, right? Which, uh, Clark, I don't know if you're on the call today. No, he's not, he's not. He's out. But yeah, he's like, you gotta meet this guy, Clark Holman. You and him would really, really hit it off. You're both gearheads and all this other stuff. So, um, so me and Clark, uh, hit it off. I want to, let me think of the best way to line up these sequence of events to get out what I'm what I'm going through. Anyway, okay, so me and Clark hit it off, and I go through chemo day three. I literally am like, okay, I can't do this. This is this is I I can't I can't get through this chemo. And day three, generally they say day three, four of that particular type of chemo is the worst. Granted, I went through like three months of it. But uh, that third and fourth day is when it really hits you, right? If this is, you know, all of a sudden all your cells start to die, you're being poisoned, right? And I couldn't, to put this in perspective, guys, I'm six foot, 210 pounds, you know, reasonably fit guy, and I couldn't even walk up a flight of steps. And I don't mean like I didn't want to, I couldn't. <laughs> I had to be like, you know, basically carried up or helped up that flight of steps. So that's how weak and beat up I was. So I prayed to God, I told him, you know what, Lord, um, you put me on this route, but I can't do this. So I need you to start preparing me um, for basically to come home because I'm not able to do this. So check this out. Christy and I, I'd already met with Andy and them. And, you know, my wife had pretty much, uh, you know, told me, look, when you get done, you're going to play. You're going to serve in your pounds. So I heard in my head, I heard my head be my rock of refuge in which I can always go. Give the command to save me. I, I kept hearing that, my rock, my fortress. I was like, what is that from? And it was like very vocal. Like, look this up, John. And I remember I was laying on my, my left side in a bed, struggling to breathe because my hemoglobin started to drop so much. I just didn't have, you know, my red blood cell count was going down. I couldn't carry oxygen through my body. So I look it up, and it's Psalm 71. So Psalm 71, I'll go down to verse 20, because this is kind of where, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit led me. It said, though you made me see my troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will again bring me up. You will increase my, uh, my honor and comfort me once more, and I will praise you with the heart, which is a stringed instrument, right, of that day. For your faithfulness, my God, I will sing praise to you with the lyre. Oh, holy one of Israel. That's the guitar of that day. Right? 
My lips will shout for joy when I sing and praise to you. I am whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who have wanted to harm you have put the shame and confusion. Literally, God was telling me, I'm going to get you out of this. You're not going to get you out of this. And you're going to play guitar, just like I've been working. You're going to use your talents to serve me. I, get, I go through chemo, and there's a whole long story here that's even more, it's way, it's just amazing. Of, like, you start to see the mosaic come together. <clears throat> um, but anyway, uh, I get through chemo, and after I get through chemo, I had very bad neuropathy in my hands. And it wouldn't go away. My doctor told me it was probably going to be permanent. And, like, when I say neuropathy, guys, if I, like, you know, like, if I were to open up a, a, a soda can, like a LaCroix, uh, you know, a bottle of water. If I touched them at all, it literally felt like somebody was taking a knife and pushing it into my fingertip. So I could not play guitar. And Andy and Clark, you know, Andy would always ask me, hey, you ready? You ready? I'm like, I can't play. I can't. Clark would call me on just about a daily basis and we would kind of talk through things of, you know, how it was going. And it was, it was in full force. Like, I could not play. And after maybe a month or two of that, I, I, I felt the calling that this is what you're supposed to do. You're going to serve God with your talents, right? So I, uh, in tears, I got down on my knees and, um, and I asked God, I'm like, you put, me, you put me on this course. You want me to serve with my talents. I don't have the ability to serve because I can't even touch the instrument. I can't, I can't touch anything with my fingertips right now. And I was, I was crying. I was like, I need you to heal me. I can't do this without you. And um, the next morning, I woke up. I went down and I picked up a guitar, like I did every morning, to see if it was gone. You know, to see how my hands felt and to see if I got some, uh, uh, see if it subsided somewhat. And um, I picked up my guitar; it was gone, completely gone. And it's never been back. You can. You could push into my fingertips with a with a nail or a cord or any of that, and it doesn't bother me at all. And it was complete. It was totally God. He healed me on the spot. And so check this out. I go and I tell Andy I go to play at church, and I didn't realize this until after it happened. But we go, we play a set, and um, at church one Sunday, and. So I, I started in verse 20 in Psalm 71, but 19 is your righteousness, God, reaches the heavens. You have done great things. Who is like you, God? Anyway, after the fact, I realized the very first song that I ever played in a context for worship was You Have Done Great Things by Phil Wilkham. Oh, wow. The mosaic, right, guys? All of that was prophetic. <laughs> the Lord pieced all of that together. Another wild thing, this is crazy, and I wish Clark was here, but Clark and I during this, we um, we became really good friends, and one day we were going down to Wolf Guitars in Jupiter together just to see what they had and all that. It was me, Clark, and Elijah, and 20 years ago, I, um, I got an offer to play with this particular band, and I remember going to the rehearsal. I didn't really want to do it, but they were like, come out and rehearse for this, this thing, so... I'm driving out in the middle of nowhere. I remember driving down the road, like, why am I even going to this? Even if I get it, I don't want to, I don't want to go on the road with these guys. It's not my thing. Not my type of music, not my thing. <laughs> so I go on an audition. I didn't get it. Um, 
some other guy got it. 10, 12 years later, I'm out on the road with another band and a band that played with them, me and the guitar player hit it off and he ended up being the one who got that gig. And I was like, oh, that's no, no way. And that guy, his name's Kyle Garris, we're friends to this day. Um, Clark, when we were going to the guitar store, we go over to Jupiter Inlet. And um, <laughs> it's, just, it's unbelievable. So we're going over the Jupiter Inlet and there's all these boats everywhere. And Clark's like, man, you know, I won't go, I won't go sailing or windsurfing anymore during the weekend because it's so busy. And uh, he said a, a few years before that, there was, there was a, um, a excuse me one second. There was a, um, uh, accident. Yeah. Sorry guys. My dogs are going nuts, but yeah, a few, uh, a few years before that Clark was windsurfing in front of my house. Yeah. Well, kind of near my house in Stewart, right at the 10 cent bridge. And, um, it may have been at the Jensen, Jensen beach causeway. Either way, it's, it's a, it's, that's irrelevant. And, uh, him and his buddy were windsurfing and his buddy kind of lost his bearing and he went to a channel, went to the main channel in a boat, hit his friend and killed him instantly. And that boat was, uh, <clears throat> there was a father and a son who were in the boat that hit him. They all tried to revive him and all that. And Clark was telling me a story and I was like, <clears throat> wow, man, that's unbelievable. And um, so he was like, you know, I, I wish that, I wish I still had this guy's contact info. I haven't been able to get in contact with him. You know, just be able to comfort him, see how he's doing, share the gospel with him, and uh, and the like. And I'm like, Clark, you're not going to believe this, man. He's like, what? And I said, um, I said, about two, three years ago when that happened, a guy that I knew from the road back in the day, from the music industry, he he called me. He's like, hey, man, you moved to Stewart, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes. Crazy story, dude. He's like, one of my best friends growing up from me across the street was in Stewart running a boat and he got into an accident. He hit a windsurfer. And, um, and he's like, you know, the, 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 it was a terrible accident. Somebody died. I was like, wow, that's crazy. But I look over at Clark in my front seat and I'm like, literally, I thought of me driving to this rehearsal, driving down Highway 64 at night 20 years prior. Why am I driving to this rehearsal? Right. <laughs> so I look at Clark and I'm like, I think I can get you that guy's contact information. He's like, how? I was like, I told him, I was like, this guy that I knew from the music industry, this band that I auditioned for that I didn't want to be in. I was wondering why I went to the audition in the first place. I was like, he grew up across the street from that guy. So I called Kyle and while we were in the truck and I told Kyle what happened or, you know, who I was with. He's like, wow, that's unbelievable. I was like, man, can you get me this guy's contact info? And he was like, you know what? Um, he's like, let me call the guy first uh, to, um, to, you know, it's a very traumatic event. So let me call him to make sure he's okay with that before I give him your info. And I was like, I completely understand that. We go into the guitar store. I get a text message with the guy's info. Clark reached out to the guy. Guy happened to be in Stewart the next week. He didn't live in Stewart, by the way. And Clark was able to have breakfast or lunch or whatever with him, talk to him, share the gospel. Yeah, he had lunch with him. You know, it's uh, boy. it's it's just incredible. I wouldn't have met. It's just incredible, John. I wouldn't I'm, have... I'm going to cut you off. I'm oh, sorry. I, I, no, that's all right. Yeah, go ahead. I, I want to cut you off because um, I, I want to kind of just sort of 
if I can sort of sort of tie this whole to, you know together a little bit. Yeah. Because I think I think your story is is so incredible and so immense and so big. Um, we could spend three and a half hours here and not just we could and not even uncover we could. So, but God, God used all of that. Is the point? Yeah. Like I was supposed to be driving. I remember driving to that rehearsal. Why am I going? It was because I had to become friends with Kyle. Right. So that guy and maybe yeah. others could hear the gospel. And I think what it does is it what it shows. And I, I mean, I've heard this. I know this whole story, obviously. And I, and, yeah, and, I, and, when, I and when I hear it again, I get chills. I, yeah. I, and, and it's just incredible because all these things show how God is at work in the background. And you don't even know he's there mm-hmm. yet. You think when you're in the middle of all of this, where the heck is God? Like, where is he? Is he really here? You know, uh, did, did he just sort of forget who I was? You yeah. know, and so on. Right. But the truth is, is that there's all sorts of stuff happening before, after, during, whatever. It's a plan. That's got no influence by you at all. It's just all happening because God is absolutely at work in our lives, whether we like it or not. And, you know, I find it fascinating, this whole section of Job, and because the the play here is these three fellas, in my opinion, uh, are are agents of the devil. That's really what they are. They don't know they are. They're 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 actually. I don't think they volunteered for the job. They just they got the job because the truth is that Bible tells us. You know, before we're believers, we're agents of, of Satan. Read Ephesians chapter 2. That's what it says. Uh, the adversary, man. Yeah, and, and, and so, you know, he just recruits who he needs to recruit. In this case, he recruits these three guys. And there's a question that Job asks in this, in this section where he says, What spirit is in you? He says that to Eliphaz. What spirit is in you? Interesting. Like, and and uh, because I think that, that Job realized what spirit was in him. And it wasn't the spirit of God. And so the point is, is that we have this thing going on. But in the midst of all of that, it doesn't matter if he's got the wrong spirit in him. It doesn't matter if he's an agent of the devil. God is still in complete control. And so the question, the question that, that Job brings up in this, which I think is fascinating, because it is a very interesting question, is not only why is this happening to me? Because he wants to know that question. But, and these guys were accusing him of saying, well, the reason it's happening to you is because you obviously must have done something wrong. I think it's interesting if you, if you really read John's text, he says something in there, which I think is very insightful. He, he says, I've examined myself to see if there's something, you know, that I did. Hmm. You see, because that's our, that's our fallback, you know, I, well, I must have done something. Yeah. You know, no, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything, John. You didn't do anything. You did not, you did not violate this. And no matter what other people may say to you, and that may be influenced from other people that, you know, just like Eliphaz and Bildad and, you know, and, and, and so far is, is the truth is you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. Don't worry about it. This is all where God is at in, in this whole entire thing. Now, 
What I think is fascinating about John's story, I didn't know you were going to get into the Clark element of it, John. And I yeah, was, sorry guys. If no, I no, no, that was cool. That, no, 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 I'm, I'm yeah. actually, I'm actually kind of, no, 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 I'm actually kind of glad you did because, like the bow on it. because that, that's yeah, really, okay. that's really such a big piece of this. Cause I, I mean, here's what's odd for me, guys. I know all these characters. I know every one of yeah. them, uh, you know, I, uh, the fellow he's talking about that got that died was a dermatologist buddy of mine uh, here in town. Oh, okay. And, and he, uh, the weirdest I part. I didn't know of, you did, Tom. Yeah, the weirdest. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's, no, it's quite all right, man. I t- t- totally get it. What was what was so odd about him was that uh, he was the most defensive person I've ever met. He was always worried about getting sick or getting, you know, getting. You know, you know, so he like, like, for example, if they had a mask mandate, this would be that he'd be wearing double masks. You know, I mean, just, just, that was just, you know, that's where he was. And then he gets hit by, a, you know, the oh, proverbial boat, you know, by, boat. By, by, like, like by a bus. It's the same idea, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, and so on while well, he's all, you know, into protecting himself and you, well, there's some things you can't protect yourself from. The, the, the truth is, is that we, inevitably start asking questions when we're going through big problems. Like why, why me Lord? What's going on? Did I do something and so forth? But there's another question that's asked in this chapter, which I think is really applicable. And that is, you know, this is happening to me, but why is it that people who are really nasty and horrible and cruddy and bad and into, you know, indiscriminate, well, nothing ever happens to them. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, but you have to ask the questions to get the answer. Well, and I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that we don't. I, yeah. No, no, that's not, my, that's not my point. The point is, is that that's the way the brain works, though. The brain kind of goes in all these circular, you know, <clears throat> patterns. You know, not only why me, but why not him? In other words, it's kind of like, right? You know, I don't want this to happen to me, but I. I don't care if it happens to him. Yeah, because right. yeah, that's compassion. Because he's really, he's like he deserves it. Yeah. You know, he he's nasty. He and, you know, yeah. he he deserves it, uh, and and so on. But but the questions that he asks here in the book, which I think are really uh, powerful, is why does it seem like God is not there, and why is it that God doesn't speak to me and judge other people's evil? You know, he's judging me. I didn't do anything wrong. And yet, he doesn't judge somebody who does all that. But, which, which, by the way, is a crazy perception because uh, uh, evil happens to everybody. Amen. Yes. It just does, okay? So this whole idea that it doesn't happen to someone else. Psalm 73 is really interesting because he talked about Psalm 71, which is amazing. But Psalm 73 is really amazing, too, because the psalmist there, it's an Asaph uh, psalm, and the psalmist there goes through this whole litany of stuff going, you know, everything happens to these other people and they are making money and they're carrying on and they get everything going for them. Nothing ever bad happens to them. Uh, my life is miserable. I'm getting, you know, I, I get smashed and crashed and this, that, and the other thing. And then he says, I believe it's the 16th verse, might be the 17th, somewhere in that range. He says, but then I entered into the sanctuary of God and I understood their end. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Wow. And, and by the way, the sanctuary of God means the private place of God. 
Okay, the private place. I, I got in that, that place of, of communication with him, that sanctuary, where I've set apart. That's what the word sanctuary means, the place that's been set apart just for God. And so I, I went into the sanctuary of God, and I understood there. In other words, the fact of the matter is that everybody talks to God. There's this really great little country jingle that's, that's come out now. I call it jingle because it's, it's just kind of a, an interesting little song. John will appreciate this because that's really what a lot of country songs are. And That's how I find God. Yeah, well, no, it's by Aaron Lewis. Do you, do you know Aaron? I do. Yeah, so, I don't physically know. I don't personally know. Yeah, him, but I so, know. So, so Aaron Lewis wrote this song that called, that's, that's called every... I'm sorry, he didn't write it. He actually just sang it. He just sang it. Someone else, I forget who wrote it, but but uh, it doesn't matter. He the, the chorus of the song goes like this. It says, whether a farmer in the field praying for rain or cur- uh, or you curse him at a gravesite because he called a loved one's name, you can thank him, you can blame him. Either way, you're going to face him, whether you believe in him or not, because in the end, everybody talks to God. Amen. In the I'm end, download that song. Everybody talks to God, and uh, you know, I, I, God may seem absent; He may seem silent, uh, but in the end, everybody talks to God. He's never silent. It may seem that the wicked are getting away with murder; they're going unpunished. Uh, you know, because God wants to, you know. Maybe give him a chance to repent. I don't know. I have no idea why he's doing it. But in the end, everybody talks to God, whether they believe in him or not. And so I think of this, and John, I'm so thankful you shared that story today. Uh, Man, I had a whole different thing I was going to talk about today. And you know what? Who cares? It's all right. You know, Uh, but it's really immeasurable to hear a true testimony, to hear what happened to a person, to you, uh, to other people, and how it all interfaces and zigzags and connects, and I don't know. I It never ceases to amaze me uh, how these things all kind of come together. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I consider... Uh, I consider Clark one of my best friends. Uh, has been for, I don't know, 35 years. And, uh, or more than that, actually, probably. Eight, since 1988, however long. I guess that is 35 years, isn't it? And so, uh, and he and I have, have gone through a lot together. We really have. And, and it's amazing how often uh, we'll just talk and all of a sudden he'll just tell me something and I'll go, no, 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 that's, there's another piece to it, Clark. There's another piece. And they go, what are you talking about? Well, you didn't know there's a whole, there's another person over here that's going through this and they're all, these are all, all connected. And he'll go, no way. You know, just typical Clark, Clark, no way. You know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, way. And then, you know, and, and it's just amazing how, 
these things all tend to pile on or or layer. I, I'm trying to it's think. It's a mosaic. Of it. John says it. A mosaic. That's a good no, word. Thank you. That's mosaic. a real good word. Yeah, that's a really good word. Fun. It is a mosaic. And complete plan, and it's masterfully built. <laughs> and sometimes, just like a mosaic, it just like I don't know if y'all have ever really seen any really amazing. I was at a I was at a, a place one time where they they had this mosaic it was in this museum, and if you got really close to it. You couldn't see anything. Yeah, right. You got 15 feet away from it, and you, you suddenly saw something coming into view. But what was really amazing with this particular mosaic was when you got 100 feet from it, and they had it in a hall that could do this. You got 100 feet from it, you saw the entirety of it. You couldn't Is see that the, the in LA. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I and so, so, cool. uh, so the fact is, is that when you get a hundred feet, and, and the, you know that hall, Johnny, is so huge, right? I, I mean, you go yeah. in there, it's look like it looks like a small, uh, small basketball court. That's what it looks like. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to describe it. Yeah, it really does. It. it looks like a basketball court. And and the but the fact is, is that when you're all the way at the other end, you really get the whole thing. And the closer you get to it, the less you see. And that's kind of the way a mosaic is. That's what our life is. Uh, sometimes you got to get really away from it to really be able to see and appreciate it and so forth. Or look, or look back. Or look back. Because, you know, when you're going through it, that's when you're asking God, where are you? Mm. I don't see I don't see where you're going here. I don't hear you. But you look back on your life, wow, you can see it clear as day. Yeah, yeah, actually. This needed to happen for this to happen because I needed to transform from here to there. And the time, yeah. I just don't see the time. No, you don't. And, and, you know, again, I come back to that, that adage of, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. That time is the focus. You, you know, scripture is kind of like that. Focus. In what way? You ask people. Oh, yeah. I do it all over again. To know the yeah. whole of scripture. Yeah. During the time. Yeah. If you know the whole of scripture, and this is why so many people make the theology out of a verse or two. <clears throat> and so many theologies come out of just people who major on the pieces and the parts. Right. Mm. And don't take account of the entire mosaic, if you will. Right. Okay. I'm yeah, saying, that's I'm, good. Good I'm, winners. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't see I asked God. Close. I asked God why He told me, <laughs> like in plain English, that He said it, He put in me and told me, and I'll show you guys this. He actually notified <laughs> a a notification popped up on my phone when I was asking him about <laughs> So it's like, oh my goodness, He literally answered me, but. Uh, it said, uh, so I was asking, I was praying, like, like, what is the, how is this being used? Like what, what, you know, basically why? And, um, it said, um, you have been assigned this mountain so that others can see it moved. That's so cool. Or, uh, hang on for one second. Hang on for one second. Randy, finish what you were t- saying. I think it's so, so cool. There's such a consistency to the Lord from Genesis to Revelation. But when you just major on chapters or a particular book or a verse. Yeah, or a verse. Yes, you do get a yeah. you do get a, a part, but yeah. you're not getting the whole. And you can misinterpret yeah. when you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You really right. can misinterpret. If you read the whole of scripture through and through, you know, I'm on my eighth year of reading the whole Bible through. And I can only tell you it's transformed truly yeah my 
understanding of who God is, just how consistent he is, mm. just how consistent we are, sadly, as people, okay? Yeah. And it, it's really Consistently inconsistent. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and it, it's been transformative to my whole yeah. walk with God. That's so powerful. That's awesome. It's so powerful. That's really powerful, Randy. I don't think anything will change us more than getting into the Word. Right. Like on earth, I, I, I honestly, if you, when we pray we're talking to God, when you read the Word, it's God talking to you. Yeah. And a lot of times, John, he did what, you know, he did with you. You went through a trauma, major trauma, and it caused a complete life paradigm shift, and you'll never be the same again to right. the good of God. That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, look, we're gonna end it. Uh, this is this has been amazing today. Yeah, I have one yeah, go, Jay. I, I just wanted to say that something you said weeks ago on Sunday that keeps on going over my head about John's story, Job, things we're talking about is that what's really helped me a lot is that when you said that you know my ways aren't his ways and mm. his ways aren't my ways, and so. By the way, I didn't say that, Isaiah. Said, okay. well, excuse, I mean, me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. God said that to Isaiah. <laughs> you quoted that. Yeah. It's helped me a lot in, in, in the things that I go through when I think about, you know, that's what Job went through. Right. When you said about Job going like he didn't understand, but he never denied God. He just complained about what was going on. And, 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 and it's just every time I think about the little thing that I'm going through, I'm going like, I, you know what? As long as I don't deny you, I don't. I don't need to know, but mm. you know. Mm. And I have. And the other thing that's helped me a lot is when you said about the trust. I put my trust in Him. <laughs> you know, I don't question what I read in the Bible. Mm. Trust that's His word, and that's had a lot of a lot of solace for me. So that when I think about the little thing that I'm going through, which is really little, when I think about Job mm. scraping. Oils off his arms with clay pot. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, but I don't. I'm trying to find myself. Don't complain. Because right. He he knows what's going on. You don't have to understand. You just got to continue to do what you're doing. Be faithful and trust in His word. Right. That's all I wanted to say. Boy, that's, that's powerful. That's Amen. that's so good. I'm I'm so glad you shared that. That's 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 powerful. Look. Um, like I said, we could go for three hours on this whole subject, in my opinion. Uh, but the beauty is that God is always at work, period. And unfortunately, sometimes we just don't understand it. We don't know it. We don't see it. We miss it. And that's okay. Because eventually... You know, uh, in the end, everybody talks to God, you know. Uh, and, and so the question is, is do you really trust him? Do you count on him? Do you, you know, do you see that? You know, it's interesting, J.R., you said that uh, you, you viewed this as, as Job's complaint. Right. And by the way, I, I have always viewed Job's comments as his complaint. Always. I don't anymore. I've changed my mind in the last month. Really? Literally. I have changed my mind. I don't believe he's complaining. I don't believe he's complaining at all. I think he's sitting there going, God, I just need to know what in the hay is going on here. 
That's all I'm asking. I just need to know. I just, and you know what? That's not a complaint. That's a question. Well, I didn't get a chance to say it, but I wanted to say this. In 23, 10 and 11, I think that speak volume. Mm. He said, thou knows the way that I take. And when I come forth, I will be the goal. Yeah. And he said that, and he said something else in 11. I'm like, wow. Out of all of this, he said that to himself and right. to his brothers. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, is that these guys that he's talking to, they're just, they don't get it. And that's all right. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I just don't believe that the man was complaining. I really don't believe that. I, I, I believe that what he was doing was he was seeking. He was searching. He was trying to figure it all out. And and that's why when God comes to him in 38, I can't wait to get to 38, by the way. I'm like, man, can we get to 38 tomorrow? You know, Uh you know, because when we get to 38, you're going to see God's way of talking that he really does talk to him. And when he does talk to him, he does not talk to him condemning him. There's no condemnation. If the guy was really sinning, he would have been condemning him a little bit, I think. Well, he just gives him perspective. He does. He just gives him perspective. Like, where were you, brother? <laughs> where were you when I did this? And where were you when I did that? Oh, uh, you know. See, you don't understand how it all fits together, Job. It's all, that's all God's bringing there. She's, you don't understand how it all fits together because it is a complete book. And uh, and that's why this, this this conversation Kenny and I had yesterday was lovely, I thought, because because it really focused on this whole idea that you just can't grab one thing and just run with it. You know, Ken, I mean, at the end of the day, you just can't. They all, it all comes together and so forth and, and so forth. And, and it's, and it's real powerful. things are complicated. They, they really are. <laughs> like nothing, maybe like a blade of grass. It's a very complicated thing. Yeah. So anyhow, let's get out of here and we'll uh, end this thing with some prayer and we'll.